Welcome, everyone, to the Roaring Lion Podcast, where we meet interesting lions and discuss relevant topics affecting Lions Clubs International. I'm Lion Paul Fugit, your host. And our topic today is how our association must change for the better, a conversation with Second International Vice President Brian Sheehan. And he is my guest today. International President Brian, welcome to the Roaring Lion Podcast. Well, thanks, Lion Paul. It's absolutely great to be here. It's wonderful to have you. It's been a while since we've talked, uh, uh, but it's great to hear your voice again, sir. Oh, you too. I remember some of our talks when we've gotten down at convention and we've had a chance to sit and chat for a little while, and it's, it's always good. I appreciate the things you do, Paul. Thank you, Brian, and I appreciate the advocacy you do for Lions Club International being an Thank executive you. officer now. So... Uh, Let's uh, get started here, Brian. Tell us about a little bit about yourself. Who is Brian Sheehan? <laughs> oh, my goodness. It, uh, I, I, I've got a lot of different aspects about me. First thing is, I don't really care to talk about myself, but, uh, you know, sometimes now in this position, it's, it's, it's good to have people get to know me a little bit. I think I am a very, very grassroots lion. I uh, get involved and immersed into a lot of things, and I'm typically in it for the long haul. I started up uh, my own business when I was uh, 21, right out of college. I still had a couple of classes left, and I could live on uh, peanuts and and soda and pizza uh, for a long period of time. And, you know, a lot of people say that that's an entrepreneur, and, you know, I I don't know if that's it or not. I, I just did what I had to do in order to survive. So I, I started that business up 41 years ago. So it's been a long time. I thoroughly enjoy it. I, I, I immerse myself into it. We've got uh, fantastic uh, staff. We've got fantastic employees. We've got fantastic customers. And I have really enjoyed it. Every single day has been different. And uh, I think that's what makes it fun. And that's the same thing with lions too. I do have four children and uh, love that as well, where I'm a very family-oriented type of a person. Uh, family means a lot to me. Community means a lot to me. Uh, sometimes it's very hard juggling those types of things, but uh, we find ways to get them done. I, I've, I've had a number of hobbies. I, I I played a lot of ball. I was, uh, I'd play uh, softball or baseball every single night, every single weekend, and that was kind of my release sometimes. And then I got into animals for a while. I had uh, about 13 horses one time, and that's a lot of work when you're juggling business and family and everything else. And I, I sold those, and I bought some llamas, 
and I thoroughly enjoyed that. I started showing llamas across the country and uh, tried to make, again, business person, I tried to make that into a business, but I turned it more into a hobby than anything else because I enjoyed it. And then I started raising Sicilian donkeys and feigning goats and pygmy goats. And I even got into kangaroos for a while. I shipped in a couple of uh, small kangaroos called wallabies and, and thoroughly enjoyed those. And I think one of the reasons I enjoyed those things is I liked taking them to schools and taking them to places and taking them into nursing homes. And that gets back to my community and family again. Uh, they just, the enjoyment that that brings is, is very, very good. So I've, I've done a lot of diverse things, but uh, lions, what can you say? Uh, we all know that it's, it, it's a fantastic organization and, uh, you know, live by it. We, we, there's so many things out there and so many good things that, it just makes you feel good and you want to leave a mark on society. Uh, that's really a lot of our goals. It's, it's uh, no easier and better way to do it than Lions is. I agree. And just to digress a little bit, Brian, uh, uh, I did watch a great documentary during quarantine about Minnesota amateur baseball. Is that what you did back uh, when you were younger was play some Minnesota amateur baseball? You know, we had the baseball park right behind our house when I was growing up. And my dad was actually the coach of the baseball team. In fact, he put up the, the, you know, the really high light towers that are around the baseball team. Well, he did that. He put them up. He, he, he uh, uh, put them together. And then we'd always climb up there and he'd be on like the second tier of these towers and he would announce the games too. And so we climbed up there for games. And we just absolutely loved it. So he was a big baseball enthusiast. I was too. And uh, yeah, those are, we got a great amateur baseball team around here now. We didn't have it so much when I was growing up, but it is very strong around here. And uh, I thoroughly enjoy it and love watching the teams. I'm a little too old now for baseball, but I, I still played softball up to just a, just a couple of years ago. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, uh, one of my goals now after watching that documentary, Brian, once COVID-19 is over, is to go to the Minnesota Amateur Baseball Tournament. So I am looking forward to going to that sometime because I'm a big baseball guy myself. And watching that documentary on how these baseball teams are such – I didn't even know this existed in Minnesota, of how it's just such a big community event and how the community around, rallies around these, these guys who play for nothing and it's amateur baseball. And hopefully one day I can go up there and watch the uh, state tournament sometime. Well, my dad used to house some of these players. They wouldn't pay them, but he would give them jobs and he would let them uh, stay in our house and stuff. Now, one thing you got to do, Paul, is tying it back in the Lions here again, our Bird Island Lions Club, as, as many of your listeners know, I'm from a very small community, 978 people in Bird Island, Minnesota. Were they? And... Uh, <laughs> One of the reasons I um, went to run for district governor is I was the gambling manager of the Bird Island Lions Club for a number of years. And I said, boy, I got to get out of this job somehow. So I became district governor. But anyway, our club uh, raises a lot of funds, uh, gambling and stuff. And we actually put up, it's, it's like the field of dreams in, in Iowa. We actually put up a Lions Memorial Baseball Park and I'll put it up against any park in Minnesota. It is a beautiful, beautiful baseball field. 
And the Lions uh, helped and assisted with all the labor and the funding and putting it all together. And we've actually had state tournament uh, here as part of Bird Island, Minnesota of 978 people. And that's kind of how we get people to come to our community and stuff too. But it's, you're, there's a standing invitation out there for any time you want, Paul. Well, hopefully next summer I can come up to Bird Island and either go to that tournament or watch a game there. That'd be awesome. Uh, so back on topic here. Uh, why did you become a member of Lions Club International, Brian? You know, I'm Lori and I are part of a four-generation Lion family. And Lion, Lori's grandfather, uh, she was from Missouri originally, uh, her grandfather would take her off to Lions meetings uh, when she was very, very young, take her out of grade school and then take her to the meetings. And then both of our fathers are, and then three of our children are. Um, so I, I was born and raised with it. My dad was a charter club of the Bird Island Lions in 1964. So I was out there helping them sell Christmas trees and we were doing Meals on Wheels. And so very, very active. My, my dad really taught all of his children, and I'm the youngest of eight, morals and values. And being a lion was just something that I, I understood what he was talking about and helping people out. It was one of my favorite memories as a child is going into some of these um, older people's homes that were uh, homebound and sitting down and just talking to them while we gave them meals and stuff. So when I was finally asked to be a lion, it wasn't by my dad. It was by uh, one of the other business people in town here. And I said, oh, you betcha. I would love to be a lion. I appreciate you asking me. I know all about it. And I would absolutely love to do that. It, it just meant so much to me. And, and that was really big. And, and in fact, once we did that, uh, they, I, you know, I go to my first meeting or so, and they say, hey, how would you like to be president? <laughs> You know, it's not anything I necessarily recommend, but I thought, well, yeah, I could do that. You know, I'll, I'll, you know, I got third vice president, second vice president. I got time to do this. Well, the uh, second vice president moves down south, and the other one gets moved out of uh, town for business, and so I was stuck. That I better start learning more about lines. I knew about Bird Island, you know, we did, but I went to my first midwinter convention, and I was absolutely amazed. I. I, and I can I can see it in my eyes yet. I can I know who I was sitting by. I could see the speakers from Leader Dog. I could see the speakers from the Eye Foundation. I was amazed because I thought Lions was created in Bird Island. It was something my dad and the people around here created. I had no idea the scope and the realm of how far-reaching this organization is. So we learned very quickly on doing the things that we love to do. Well, that's good to hear. So what? is the best service project you've been a part of, Lion Brian? You know, starting very early on with, with my dad doing things around here has been great and helping out some people that I know with handicapped bands and, and other things. But now Lori and I have such an opportunity. I wish each and every Lion had the capability of doing is we're now seeing projects around the world. And it is just absolutely unbelievable. I, I think one of the best projects I was actually involved in is I was international director in 2011 uh, to 13. And in 2013, I went over to uh, Calcutta, India, and I gave a talk to their state convention and, and did a number of hands-on projects there. 
when Lori and I go places, we love getting our hands dirty and actually doing projects. And our daughter was with us at the time. She was probably about 16. And one of the things that we did for the day was we had this box that was probably about a foot and a half by about a half a foot tall. And that was the monthly food rations for a person. And we went to the homes of people who didn't have anybody, the poorest of the poor in the Calcutta slums. And I tell you, it just really hit what the lions were doing out there. It just really hit home and really hit your heart. And my, my daughter will never, ever forget it. Um, she started crying and, and we gave this one uh, lady and their, their house is about the size of my desk. And we gave this one lady about 800 rupees, which is, you know, a buck 80 or something, just not much. And she, the tears started running down the lady's face immediately. And she says, you are my savior and you are my angel. And I, I wish everybody, every lion has the opportunity to do that. And we've, you know, since then we've, we've gone to the, to the um, uh, slums of uh, Nairobi and, and everywhere and seeing the wonderful projects that lions do firsthand is fabulous. And, and again, I wish everybody had that opportunity to do it. It's, we all want to be able to help people out. And we all know what we do with our foundation of how we help people out. And, and same with you. I know you had some disasters there in Iowa, but to see the impact that we can do with our foundation and being hands-on and boots on the ground, it, it, it just great to be part of the solution and not part of the problems. And it's great to belong to an organization that can be able to do that for people. Definitely. I, I agree, Brian. And I'll, I'll digress one more time before we get into the, our topic here. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you remember or not, but do you remember the first time we met Brian? Yeah, I, it was on, and I remember it was a balcony and it was, uh, I remember sitting there and I think we were watching the pool and that that's to my first recollection. We sat there and we chatted for quite a while. Was it the, was it the state convention in Iowa or where? Was sure. it a different city? That was not the first time. Uh, in a different state. Nope. Uh, believe it. It was in Iowa. I was going to college at Ellsworth Community College in Iowa Falls, ironically, and you were. I was an associate member of Iowa Falls. I helped Iowa Falls out when I wasn't back home here. Uh, in Eastern Iowa, I was an associate up there, and you were the international director for the convention there in Iowa Falls. And I'll never forget, I, I walk into the elementary school across from the college because uh, Pastor Chiconer Mike wanted me to meet you and all that stuff. And I, and I walk into the gym, and here you are. I don't know what kind of getup you had, but you were just making noise and being so great with the little kids there because you were trying to train the leader dogs that were all there, the puppies on uh, with noise and how for them to stay calm and everything. And you were the leader of this parade of at least 25 or 30 kids and just being uh, a kid yourself. So do you recall this moment? Oh, I am a big kid, and I do remember that. That was, if I remember right, the prisoners actually raised those puppies. And I remember going out in the playground, and we were supposed to kind of be distracting and stuff. And I, I tell you, I am definitely a kid, at, <laughs> a kid at heart. And I remember that convention immensely, Mike Nissen and, 
and the, the whole group there was fabulous. In fact, that convention, uh, I, I, they asked me early on, I said, absolutely, I'd love to come to Iowa, and it's a nice drive for us. And, and then we had uh, invitations from Hawaii and Alaska and Jamaica, and I'd say, oh, man, I go to Iowa all the time. But being a lion, it's, yep, when you make a commitment, you do it, and you're responsible in doing it. I, I got to tell you, Paul, I think that was one of the most fabulous conventions that Lori and I had been to our entire ID, and we go to Iowa all the time, but it was just the camaraderie and the niceness, and they actually put us up in a bed and breakfast, which was so nice because we spend every day in hotel rooms and stuff, and they actually had a meet and greet at that uh, bed and breakfast, and it was, it was a very memorable uh, Lions event, and that's what we love. Yep, and I got to say, walking into that and like, this is the international director for this weekend. This is going to be fun type thing. <laughs> so, I believe I had marshmallow guns at that time too. I usually had brought some big mazooka marshmallow guns. So I wanted to make sure that nobody would ever fall asleep. So that was <laughs> always my, always my, my game back then. Yep. Yep. So I'll never forget the first time I met you, Brian. That was quite interesting and it, it was very, very memorable. Uh, when I met you the first time like that. So let's uh, get into our topic here, enough digressing here. Uh, so back in 2017, you're on the stage of the 101st International Convention in Las Vegas. You're giving your third international vice president acceptance speech. And I love some of the points you made of that, Brian. You said, quote, we need to embrace change, make ourselves better as a member, make ourselves better as a club, challenge ourselves, take the ideas and traditions of the past and blend them with new ideas and creative inspiration and new, for new technology. You need, we need to embrace the young talents of our Leo clubs as well as young lions. Let's take this one at a time. How do we accomplish what you laid out there in your vision and goals in that speech back in 2017? First, with we need to embrace change. You know, you, you got to know where I came from. And I, I actually went to school for mechanical engineering to begin with. And I had a programming class along the way. And this was when there were punch cards. And I mean, there wasn't any, anything that was digital at the time. And so I was raised in a, in a time frame where computers were just coming on board. And I took that programmer's class, and it just came to me. It was an easy flow. So I, I really embraced technology from very early stages on. And, and when I got done with that programming, uh, my brother and myself actually programmed my father's propane business with uh, accounting. And for doing that, he bought us uh, each an Apple computer, which at that time was in its infancy. And we sold those two and bought four and sold those four and bought eight. So we started in the uh, technology industry back in the late 70s. So I, I have always, always embraced technology. And I also understand how much it can help you and how much it can hinder and cripple some clubs as well. Because they're just, they're not used to it. It's not how we've done it in the past. And I've always been a big promoter that do the things that are doing well for you and make changes to those things that are not. Don't change them just because you can change them, but change them because you think that you can do better with it. And my dad kind of instilled that in me as well. My dad was 
even when he was uh, 90, 92, 93, he was using a computer. And for that time and day and age, that told me a lot. It means that anybody can be able to use this technology and put it to use. And we can use it in our club. But I think one of the biggest things that I see in clubs, and especially visiting so many of them, and, and especially starting first in my zone and then in my district, was you can see those clubs that are thriving. Um, they bring in young people, and they bring in, and, and not so much even young people, but new people. I don't care how old they are. You bring in new people, they're going to come up with different ideas and creative ideas. Uh, from my community, my small community, we've got 66 members, and we've got a good young crowd and a good older crowd. Uh, and I see a lot of change in those types of clubs. These clubs you don't see change in are those that have the same members for the last 20 years, and they've, they've never added any. They've lost a few of them because of death, and you just see where they're stagnant, and they keep doing the same things, and it's, it's not – a club or something that people may want to join and be a part of. I think when people see change and new ideas, and that's something I want to be a part of. Uh, so I think that is extremely important. We have to be able to embrace change, and we have to be able to embrace other people coming into our club to provide some of that change. Sometimes it scares a lot of our members off, but man, for survival of this organization, the only thing consistent in life is change. And that's the one thing we got to be ready for all the time. And we have to be able to adapt and, and look at it. And for me, uh, running on that stage in, in Las Vegas, I know change is a very big thing for me. And when I, it's something I can bring to the table at Lions Clubs International, and, and I have already when it comes to my Lions and the technology and I'm actually a part of the technology committee, which has only been around for two years. And I was on the inception of that committee. And I'm very proud of it because I'm seeing some really cool changes technology-wise and just change coming down the pipeline. Your next thing you made in that speech, Brian, was make ourselves better as a member. What do you mean by that? You know, sometimes it's very easy and, and easy to be stagnant and say, you know, sometimes it's easier for me to sit back in my at home and watch Dancing with the Stars and go to a club meeting or go to an event or something like that. And sometimes we have to, we drag ourselves to do that. You know, I, I work all day long and I'm busy and I'm tired, but you got to be able to do things you like to do. And I do like to go to club meetings because our club does have fun and uh, it's very important to be able to do that. It's a chance to be able to socialize and see my friends and see new people. I, I really lo love going to club meetings and not only my club, but anytime in an area or if I try, I did a lot of traveling when I was um, uh, in business. And I'd go to a community, Spartanburg, whatever it happened to be, and I would look up and see when the club meetings were because I, I think it's something that you have other people and, and get yourself out of just the club but see what's in our zone and what's in our district and what Lions are doing elsewhere. That's how we make our clubs better, uh, to see what other clubs are doing and being able to go along with that change 
and working very hard to make it an attractive club so that other people will join as well. We have to be able to make our clubs better. And that, you know, right now we're in a transition time with our clubs where, and that kind of links back to change again, that if you're going to try and attract some young members, you, you can't just sit there and go to meetings and, and that's the main thing you do and write out checks. Our younger generation and new people coming into town, they, they want to get their hands on and they want to volunteer and they may not necessarily be good at going to meetings. So we have to find out how we make our clubs better. That's be a constant thing each and every year, what we have to be able to do. Oh, I, I, I hear you, Brian. Um, so how do we challenge ourselves to do that? You said we have to challenge ourselves in order to make the uh, three points above possible. How do we challenge ourselves, do you think? You know, it's first of all doing different events than you're doing. If you've had some very successful ones out there, keep doing them. But if you can bring some more people on board, one of the things we do in order to be able to get young members in our club is every single spring, we put an ad in our paper and we say, we're going to come by and fill up sandboxes for the kids. And uh, so we get sand donated from the city and it's, it's hard manual labor. And so we ask people, you know, you're kind of new to the community. I know you got kids. I know you're very busy, but would you like to be able to help us shovel some sand and we'll bring you sand and you can help us deliver sand in other areas. So first of all, we get to know that person very well. And second of all, we get them doing hands-on service immediately. And it's, you know, what's in it for them? Yeah, you know, we got camaraderie and everything else here. So that's kind of how we get new members to join our club. But the key is, in getting to your question, is once you get them to the club meeting, is what is it that you want to do to see our community better? You know, I'm a computer person. And the first thing they gave me is, oh, good, you get to do the website and you get to do all the technology stuff. Well, that's not what I want to do. I want to relax and do something different. I'd rather cook or I'd rather uh, help build the shelter or something else. So the first thing we ask our new members is, what is it you like to do and what is it you like to see this community have or different? And so we give them some of that control. You know, you want to put up a, a skateboard park or something like that? All means, let's go do that to try different things and then we're listening to them. So I think those are some things that can really, really help in order to make your club better. First of all, being able to listen to your other members because they got different ideas and what they wanna have done than what I wanna get done. And we all have different things we wanna do. So we listen to them and then give them charge, give them control of that, give them some responsibility. They're gonna be lifetime members to be able to do that. And then the third thing would be communication. I think communication is probably one of the biggest things as I know you got uh, Jerome and uh, doing another um, podcast on NAMI, but it, the things that we have learned is communication above all. And anything that we do is very, very important. So we can communicate with our club. We can say, what is it you want? You know, what, what's, the, what's the things that we struggle in our club? What are our weaknesses? What are our strengths that we have? And let's build on those strengths. And what opportunities could we do for this, for this community? And then what's going to stop us from being able to do that? I think if you can do that club analysis, where there's a lot of tools out there that uh, Lions Clubs International give us. But if you can do that club analysis and communicate, you're going to find out for yourself and you're going to decide for yourself and you're going to be able to set your own goals on what you want to do as a club and how we can make our club better. It, it's, it's, 
to me, it's just that simple, is being able to do that club analysis each year. And what do we want to accomplish this year? And let, let's keep our eye on the apple to be able to do that. That's very well said, Brian. Now, this one's going to be a little more tricky because this is a pretty loaded sentence. And you don't have to blame me. You're the one who said this. But uh-huh. <laughs> uh, So you said, quote, we need to take the ideas and traditions of the past and blend them with new ideas and creative inspiration and combine that with new technology. How does that look in uh, your mind, Brian? You, you know, it gets back if you keep doing the, the same things over and over again and you expect different results, it's just not going to happen. And if, if you continue to do the same things and, and things are failing or, or um, attendance is going down, you got to do something to be able to spark that up and make it a little bit different. Um, and, and just in a simplistic way, we always have a sausage feed here and it's always been our big fundraiser and it's to help the community out. And while you, you start getting a little less attendance here and there and you, well, you start bringing additional things into it. You take that tradition and if it's working good and making you money good, but let's take and let's add to that. Let's change it around a little bit or let's try something completely different, but let's bring bingo into this to try and get more people in here. And then we get, um, we get students in here to help us out because a lot of the fundraising will go to our schools and that'll bring the parents in. So it's just really being creative on doing the things that you're doing, but doing them a little bit different. The other thing we did in that same thing to bring technology into it, and my, my son actually did this, is, is the advertising of it. I remember running around here on Sunday and putting flyers underneath everybody's windshields at church that we got a sausage feed tonight. and by doing things like Facebook as an example and advertising in there and letting people know that we got a sausage feed here and the cause is going to good causes community wise and world wise. And we started taking and we were started to put those ads on Facebook and we started boosting those ads. You know, you spend 25 or $30 in technology and we started getting orders from around Minnesota for our sausage because you know, oh, I was born and raised in Bird Island and now I'm 400 miles away and I remember that sausage and can you ship me some? Well, you betcha we can. So we charge the money and, and, we'd, and shipping costs and, and we'd ship it up to them. So you just have to find ways that you can bring technology and you can bring some of the traditions in there as well. Uh, you know, sometimes it even goes to the yellow vest. You know, we have a lot of our members will wear the yellow vest and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that tradition. It's a long-standing tradition. But let's also make options that we can have polo shirts or golf shirts or something that some of the younger members will, will maybe wear a little bit. There's absolutely nothing wrong in having a little bit of diversity in the things that we do. Uh, not take things away that have been done in the past and that people like, but giving people a choice and an alternative uh, to be able to uh, brand and being able to advertise what they're proud of by having that lion symbol on a on a polo shirt and instead of a jacket or something like that. Yep, uh, our, our our club kind of does that now, Brian. We we just ordered a bunch of polo shirts, and uh, a lot of the members seem to like them. And uh, it's just it's just no, nothing against the vest. It's just easier to work in a polo shirt than with a vest on. Uh, if you want to do, uh, you know. Uh, get your hands dirty type thing. 
Well, you know, being in Minnesota, we actually have, and our big thing has been where the hell is Bird Island? That's a whole other story. <laughs> we actually have hockey jerseys, and we put a big lion logo on the front because Bird Island had hosted our our multiple district convention in a community close to us, and that was our uniform. And boy, we're very proud of that. And everybody wants to get one of those hockey jerseys with a, where the hell is Bird Island on the sleeve. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget that bumper sticker. Where the hell is Bird Island? Uh... You know where that came from? My dad actually. The Lions, way back when, used to bring a float everywhere, a Lions float, and all over Minnesota. And people would go up to and say, where the hell is Bird Island? So my dad actually started that up, and he says, well, let's just make a bumper sticker up. So they made a bumper sticker and said, where the hell is Bird Island? With a, a little star where, that, uh, um, where Bird Island is at. And that's how it started. And the Lions sold them, and that's been all over. That's been all over the world. In fact, he sent one of those bumper stickers into Barry Zavan, the weatherman, which is a, which was a, uh, um, a weather guy in Minneapolis, uh, Channel Four News, because he always put this goofy sign in between these two maps, and he put the "Where the hell is Bird Island" bumper sticker in there, and he says, "There's no report from Bird Island tonight," <laughs> and he did that for an entire week. And Dad says, called him up, said, "Barry, I'm from a very small town. You don't want us to call in every night, do you?" And he says, "Yeah." So dad would read this rusty old thermometer outside our window for about six years and he'd add four degrees to it every single time so that it was the warmest place in Minnesota. <laughs> the man would always say, and the weather in Bird Island tonight is 79 degrees. Then he'd show the New York skyline and say, here's Bird Island. For those that don't know it, I tell you, we got more advertising out of the Lions and Bird Island that everybody in the entire state knows where Bird Island is because of that bumper sticker. I got a similar story about Mount Vernon, uh, Brian. Uh, Our our, our deal is Mount Vernon, the George Washington, or Mount Vernon, the Mount Vernon, George Washington, wish he lived in is our our deal. So (laughs) that's what we do for us, Mount Vernon. So uh, promote those things, you know, is is, is just what what makes you unique. And we got to take whatever you have and you work with it. That's exactly, exactly. You know, we do the same thing here with Bird Island. I don't know if most of your listeners know, but we don't, in the land of 10,000 lakes, there's only two counties that don't have a lake, and Bird Island is in one of them. But we have a yacht club, and we have a regatta. Even though we have no lake, you got to make the best do what you can do. Yep, and I I have one of those where the hell is Bird Island stickers, and that's on Lions memorabilia shelf. So I'll, I'll send you a Bird Island Yacht Club hat too for inviting me on your show here, Paul. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, so uh, you also said in your speech, Brian, that uh, we need to embrace young talent in our Leo's clubs as well as young Lions. Uh, how do we harness that talent? You know, I, I'm a very big promoter of uh, young people and Leo's and some of those creative ideas. And I think it's because I am, I do feel very young at heart all the time and I do like to have fun. But a lot of people say that, you know, Leo's are our future. And I didn't have that opportunity in, in a small community here to have a Leo's club. And, but they say Leo's is our future. And I really disagree with that. I immensely, I say Leo's are our present. Uh, when we can, we can get ideas, we can get volunteer work, we can have good, strong backs to be able to help us out. We have to be able to bring them in. And again, being in a small community, um, 
our lion members, and because we have young lion members, we, they would always bring their children along to the event to be able to help out as well. And that meant a lot to us. So I think we bring young people in at a, at a very young age, bring them all the way through all the time, being able to help out with our events and the things that we do, interact with them, talk with them, listen to them, see what they would like to be able to do again. It comes back to that theme. I think that's how we get them involved. I, I think we, do, we need to do a lot of different things. We need to be able to go to our school. Uh, we give Lion scholarships uh, each year. We give about uh, four of them. And because the children mean so much, and we want them to know what, what Lions is all about, but I, I think that's a very important aspect of it as well. I give a lot of talks to student councils. I just gave a talk last weekend in uh, New, Jersey, New Jersey from a, a go-to meeting, which was Future Business Leaders of America, which are high school kids. Oh my gosh, they were, they were so interactive and had questions and want to be involved. They want to be involved more than anything I've ever seen. So we have to be able to find ways to be able to do it. And if you got young members coming to your club meetings, and maybe that's how you get some more young members in there, is if you could have a young high school student come and, and watch the kids or watch a movie with them or play games with them while the Lion members can actually attend the meetings and give away things like tickets to the uh, Minnesota Zoo or tickets to uh, the Children's Science Museum or tickets to a movie to, be, to help to promote that a little bit that this is an organization that can be very, very family oriented as well. Those are just a few things that we can try and do to bring family in. And with Lori and myself too, Lori is a huge, huge promoter of, of uh, young lions and kids and very involved with it as well. And with us having the four kids, we, it was the only way we could do our, our convention when I was a governor and things like that. We just brought kids in that we wanted to try and be able to make this a family thing. So we'll bring people in and kids in that will watch the kids while you can come to the convention and, and uh, interact and, and do the things we want to. But let's get the kids involved too. And everybody loves that. Whenever I go to a convention, I see a Leo uh, club members there and they bring them in, you know, for pizza or they bring them in for one meal. And I'd say, man, let me go talk to the Leos. I, I'd rather sit with them and have some fun with them uh, than maybe at a, a business meeting that is pretty cut and dry and, and very dry. And uh, love having them. And I think everybody loves the energy, the excitement when you see young leadership uh, coming in uh, to the organization of the events that we got. Oh, here, here. Uh, it's, it's always fun. And when we're at conventions, it's always fun for the young lions to hang out with each other because yeah. uh, there's some great brainstorming sessions that happen in the bars uh, whenever we go to conventions. So. Absolutely. Um, to kind of wrap this all up, uh, the speech that you gave, Brian, how do we as Lions accomplish your vision and goals overall that you said back in 2017 in Las Vegas? You know, I, I think I go back to communication again. You got to keep talking about them all the time. And you got to be able to, first of all, when, when you have a vision, you have to have a vision and what it is that you want to be able to do. And this is where we go through the, 
club analysis or the district analysis or multiple district analysis or constitutional area analysis. And this is what I've really been doing the last couple of years. So we go through this analysis and what is it we want to accomplish? And we take a look at those goals that I set. Those are things we want to be able to do. And how are we going to accomplish them and get them done? So we do that for the year and we get to the end of the year and we see how we've done on our goals and being able to accomplish them. And, and it's something you got to do the each and every year. And those goals uh, may change, you know, uh, the different things that you want to be able to do. I don't think once you set a goal, you shouldn't necessarily lower your standards or change the goals. You should change what you are doing to try and accomplish those original goals you did. And then once you hit those goals, okay, let's go through this process again. How are we going to bring technology into this? How are we going to bring young people into this? Because I'm telling you, on the international level, we're doing that over and over again and all the time. The hard thing is, is once you do that at an international level, trying to get it down to the club level. That's the most important thing we have to do. And the clubs are the most important thing of this organization. And, and that's why I feel I'm a very grassroots Lions and I, I still go to my club meetings and I love going to my club meetings because that's where things can be changed. We can't change them at the top of the international level. We can give suggestions and we have a lot of programs and a lot of tools that our clubs can use, but it's up to the clubs to be innovative, to be able to apply those programs that are out there to accomplish any goal that they got. It's got to be done at the club level, but it's got to be a consistent thing. You can't do it for a year. And, you know, we talk about membership for a year and it, it's something that's a consistent thing. You have to be able to change and move and it's got to be a living um, target and a living goal that we want to try and accomplish. But it's just an ongoing thing. You set your goals, what's important for me to get done. And those are the things that I talk about a lot. And we keep talking about it until some people can change until we can get more people to get on that same bandwagon and say, yeah, it's really important to get younger members in. So one of the things we did here in Constitutionary was we started the young, the young uh, lions task force and we wanted to listen to them. So they're in charge of helping out some of our clubs in our district. Those are, that's what I'm talking about. You, you see something you want to accomplish, you go out there and do it, and you get other people to help you along. And that's how we're going to be able to change this organization. It's, it's a constant talking about it, communication, setting your goals, and getting it done over and over again. Yep, uh, that, that, that's what I would agree with too, Brian. Uh, is there anything else you'd want to share with the audience before we uh, uh, depart here today? You know, I, I think the biggest thing that I've always hung my hand on to and, and always have is, is it's about the team effort. Uh, Lori and I make a fantastic team, and, and it, it is all team focused. It's not an individual that can do something. And, and I see that, especially, I, I have a hard time that people can't come up to me and they don't, they feel I'm unapproachable because of, of where I'm at or who I am. And I, I, I'm more of a lion than anything else, and so is Lori. But team has always been a big thing for me. We can't do it alone uh, in our clubs, from the club level all the way up to international level. And I understand that with uh, Lori and I, they, they got a good team with the two of us, but it's the entire team of the club. It's not only the president. It's not only the membership chair on the district. It's everybody hopping on board, getting those things done. 
and we're going to do it together. We'll, we'll fail at some things together, but we will succeed at most things together. And I, I think that's one point I really want to get across that it's not up to just you to have to change things. It's up to everybody to have that same consistently consistency in order to want to have it done and done as a team. And as you've said, Brian, in many of your presentations before, together everyone achieves more, right? That's it, man. That, that's absolutely it. It's, it's, it's so much better when you get everybody on board. And you may not always agree with everybody on the team, but the bottom line is at the end, you come to a compromise and you come to the same set of goals you want to accomplish, and we can do it so much better together. Yep, yep, agreed. Uh, uh, Brian, thank you for being on the podcast. It's uh, always a great time talking to you whenever uh, we get together. Well, Paul, I, I very much appreciate it. Thanks much for what you're doing here, too. This is fantastic for people to know and, and have some uh, uh, talk. Wonderful. Yep. Uh, thank you, Brian. And uh, for everyone out there, uh, keep uh, serving and keep safe.